Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Jesse McAdally. And I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Liz Estin. And welcome to Carried Away, a podcast where we explore the films and television shows starring the one and only James Eugene Carey. And we've got not one, but two very, very impressive and special guests. <laughs> Can you believe it? I cannot. Um, Liz I is literally a having lot. a heart attack right now. Oh yeah, we slid She's the money under the, the table. Like, it's really crazy. But please join me in welcoming the stars of Broadway's The Prom and Emma and Alyssa themselves, Caitlin Kinnanen and Izzy McCollum! And then add like a lot of applause Huge and confetti round. noises right yeah. here. Yeah, so much applause, so much applause. The Vuzalelas. Uh, thank you very, both for joining us. I, if you would believe it, like Caitlin is currently in Israel right now, and it's like nighttime, yeah. so it's like dealing with like. Why did you whisper Israel? Um, I just realized I didn't want to dox them, so if it needs to get cut later, <laughs> how are you two doing today? Thrilled to be here. Okay. <laughs> I, I did not believe either of you with that, but let's keep going. Um, this is a Jim Carrey podcast, and everyone's first guesting. I do want to ask, what is your histories with Jim Carrey, respectively? Where did you first learn about him, and what is your opinion of him now that we're a little bit removed from his heyday? And Caitlin, I'm picking you to go first. Great. Um, well, I'm going to be really honest with all of you here. My knowledge of Jim Carrey is not vast. Yes. You know, we've got like a, we've got a few highlights, like some Ace Ventura Mm -hmm. and Eternal Sunshine, but like, I am not a connoisseur and I know that he seems like a cool guy and he dated that one woman who's an anti-vaxxer for a really long time, but he's no longer with her. So it's good. I can, still cannot remember if it's Jenny McCarthy or Heather yeah, Locklear. Yeah. I get he it all it was Heather, Heather Locklear for the first like four episodes. For the first episode, podcast. he kept saying Heather Locklear every like 10 no. seconds. We kept trying to correct him. Jen, yeah. Jenny McLocklear. Yeah. Um, Jenny McLocklear. Yeah. Jim Carrey's own relationship with vaccines is a little iffy, too. Um, yeah. So, uh, not the most fun territory. But you, I like the fact that you're a more cursory knowledge because um, we had Brightman on a few weeks ago, and he was a big fan and real obsessive. Yeah. Obviously a big influence on their work. So I'm kind of I'm I'm really glad that we kind of have a more like a general view of him, so we can just kind of talk yeah. about the media. Um, Izzy, what about you? Well, he proposed to me three years ago, and we've lived there since. Now, um, she started with honest, but I thought I'd tar- start with a lie. Um, <laughs> no, Jenny McCarthy, is that you? <laughs> Wait, which is the lie? The happy yeah. part or the marriage part? Both, honestly. You decide. Um, you decide. No, uh, I am also not the biggest Jim Carrey connoisseur. However, I do love me some Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I think that is his best work to date of the old <laughs> oeuvre I've seen of his. I've also seen um, Bruce Almighty is a classic yeah. that I love. Yes. And, and uh, obviously Ventura. Him coming out of the rhino butt really does it for me. <laughs> um, He's like, oh, we're poking through. You know, that, something changed in me when I saw that for the first time. I was like, I'm that, that oddly... Awakened, awakened a lot of parts in, in young people, I, I suspect. 
I think it did, which is very questionable. And we all need to be have therapists, which we should anyway. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of it. There's a movie he did with Taya Leone. Uh, Public like, Dick and Jane. Yeah, that one. I had the, I liked that one. Uh, yes. Was he the yes man guy? Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah, I saw that one. And then um, Liar Liar. It's classic. Mm-hmm. I also saw Eternal Sunshine, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, That's in a whole different category yeah. from like yeah. you know, talking out his ass kind That's of movies. Right. Not even Jim I also, Yeah. I also know that he uh, once wrote himself a check for a million dollars, dated four years in the future. And then he booked his first movie like a week before the four years was up and like was able to cash the million dollar check to himself. Well, do you know what he actually did with that check? Framed it? No. Shortly before he was able to cash it, his father died. He slipped it into his dad's coat pocket at his funeral. So, yeah. Wait, did he ever did he ever cash it? No. He said that was my inspiration. And now it's going down with my father, my other inspiration. It was like a very big moment for him. Like the the ending a chapter of his life and starting the next one. I know way too much about this man, and it's not healthy. But speaking of which, um, let's talk about I, I, y'all have not been on the journey we have with this filmography. <laughs> there was basically three actual porn films at the start of this, so I'm yeah. just happy. Like, there's Soft a movie core. with a narrative and yeah, like, they, emotional payoffs. Yeah, we're just and getting a female to the with point. lines. We're just getting to the point of his career Parents now, where there's a through line, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Does he engage Not in the said kind porn? of from the voice in yeah in the world? Kind of. Oh. It, w- yeah. it was not a pleasant thing to watch. Um, One of them truly... was actually called the Sex and Violence Family Hour. So. Yeah, yeah. So seeing a, a film where a female is the main character, has agency, and is really kind of uh, the main focal point of the story is just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. This is good. And we don't and, see her naked. Ever. Yes, we don't see her naked. We don't see anyone naked. And you have a director with a a vision of some sort, it, and like knows how to frame a shot. I'm I'm like, I know I'm scraping at the bottom of the barrel here, but man, it just felt like eating candy for the first time when I've only had like sawdust. Well, yeah, oh, wow. you mentioned the director. It's Francis Ford Coppola. Crazy. Yes. And Insane. daughter Sophia was in it too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, she and was. Sophia would later direct Kathleen Turner in The Virgin Suicides. It all comes back. Whoa. It's very, it's all connected. And Nick Cage is the nephew My of God, Francis Cage. Ford Coppola. The hell happened to Nick Cage? Because Nepo babies are going to Nepo baby. Peggy Sue was once crazy about the guy she married. I have certain unresolved feelings about your father. I don't trust him. But tonight, at her 25-year high school reunion. Well, Charlie won't be here tonight. We're getting divorced, actually. She'll disappear in time and arrive in her senior year of high school. Peggy Sue got married. Peggy Sue got married. It was released October 10th, 1986, written by Jerry Lechtling and Arlene Sarner, directed by the one and only Francis Ford Coppola. The plot of which is Peggy Sue faints at a high school reunion. When she wakes up, she finds herself in her own past just before she finished high school. Um, interesting movie. Um, that's it. That's the whole. You said that's the whole blurb. Her own past. A little behind the scenes thing. I, I'm the one who puts together all that information. Yes. I went on like six different websites to find a summary of Peggy Sue Got Married that didn't suck. 
And that was the only one I could find on like three different websites. I even went on Letterboxd that usually goes an insane direction. It's like Peggy Sue faints and ends up in high school. And I'm just like, <laughs> none of them are untrue. <laughs> but right. I mean, yeah, that is what happened. It yeah. Is a strangely kind of meandering plotless story where it's just a deep yeah. dive into a character regretting a lot of their choices and the main question is, if you were given the chance to change your, your life, would you take that chance? And this film opts for, no, you wouldn't. Why would you? you you've got yeah. children. Come on. Um, and maybe that's not the way to go about this. Um, but the choice is there. I feel like that's where a lot of us are going to have our issues. But Caitlin and Izzy, what is your guys' orig- initial thoughts to watching this film? I, I think my thesis statement yes. it's summed up for me in the fact that the last line of the film is, I'll make a strudel. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, did you learn nothing? (laughs) Because that's Nicolas Cage with a really bad box die job and a weirdly alien cartoon voice who... Oh, we'll talk about that. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. The cartoon voice really got me. That was like when my puberty hit at whenever it was, 14, 13, and then Nick Cage made a choice and old Francis called... Frank he Coates sure did. Like, go for it. Just, it gave me a chance to do some thinking last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know, about what we said on Tuesday. I think it makes a lot of sense. Refresh my memory. How could you forget? We talk about seeing other people and you forget. Oh. I must have blocked it out. Yeah. I guess I can understand that. But please, don't start crying again. He said he was inspired by the Gumby character Pokey, and then it was made even worse by the fake dentures he had to wear to give him the overbite he wanted. He, wait, he wanted the that overbite? he wanted? He wanted the overbite. He's Nick Cage. He's a flipping weirdo. Um, because I but did, that's, like, I distinctly remember watching it and being like, why are his teeth so perfect? It's it's and it's it because he choice. was wearing dentures. Yeah, yeah, very much a choice. The set with Nick Cage was a, a, a hellhole from all accounts. So much that Kathleen Turner had to pay for her words. But we'll go into that later. Caitlin, what did you think? A lovely way to spend a couple hours. <laughs> I can only dream my film gets that Wait, review. This <laughs> we'll put we're gonna play a one star five star game soon. I I can't remember. Let's see, is that oh, a one will. star we or will. a five star review? A, yes, it could be either. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think if I were many drunker, it could have been five stars. Dr- <laughs> were you? But I think were you partially drunk already? I wasn't I actually drunk, wasn't drunk at all. Oh, that was I, um, I was not drunk enough. Yeah. Um, so I think like completely sober watching it on vacation while in Israel. Because um, <laughs> I didn't pre-plan this and think, oh, I should maybe watch it before I come to my vacation. No, I was like, oh, shit, I have to watch this movie while I'm in Israel. Um, so if those are your circumstances, I'd give it like a two and a half. Stars. Okay, but, well, let's start with the positives. What did you like about it? Kathleen Turner. Yes. Okay, I, I mean, that performance is the reason why this film exists and has any lasting impact. Like, it's not like this was some 
I mean, I miss films being like this being made. We they don't exist yes. anymore, sadly, and it is quaint and nice. But this was on a lot of best of the year lists. Like both Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel put this fairly high in their list. I think Siskel had it at six and Ebert had it at nine, and they were both overwhelming with praise about it. As Caitlin and I were talking about before recording, Kathleen Turner got an Oscar nomination for this in a pretty stacked year with Sigourney Weaver and. Um, a lot of other folks, Jane Fonda in the yeah, nomination. This is the year um, Alien came out, and the year Aliens. Aliens, yes. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a big year, but also I wonder how this film would have been received if it came out a year or two earlier, so that Back to the Future didn't totally eat its fucking lunch. Um, Dude, yeah. So this was because 86. Back to the Future, yes, like months but, after, just mere months after Back to the Future came out. No, but I feel like, like, yes, Back to the Future ate its lunch, but also like. I feel like that statement should be followed with also if uh, if uh, writers, producers, whatever, thought that women could do more than make strudel. <laughs> that too. Um, you know, yeah. like, because a woman could have done everything that Marty McFly did, but they were like, no, no, no. If a woman goes back in time, she has to, like, figure out that she really likes her grandparents, wants to end up with her bum of a husband and make him strudel. Well, yeah. That opens this up to the development of this film that I would love to dive into and what a, a better version could have been made. So with the first choice in director, which is Jonathan Demme, um, who you might know from Stop Making Sense, Married to the Mob, uh, Rachel Getting Married, and The Silence of the Lambs, who is a very, in Philadelphia, of course, a very empathetic filmmaker. He is known for having very strong women in the lead and portraying them from a point of view that is very engaged. Um, he is would have nailed this. He would have been very good in this. And at the time, the star attached was Deborah Winger. Um, who was the main creative force leading this to where it was. Jonathan Demme then was asked to leave by Deborah Winger and was replaced by Penny Marshall um, from A League of Their Own and a bunch of other incredible films. A very acclaimed female director who I think would have had a lot to say, and it, I'm willing yes. to put money on the ending would not be the ending if Penny Marshall were still directing. And then Deborah Winger did not like Penny Marshall either, and then comes in Francis Ford Coppola. Now we keep talking about Deborah Winger, who is the creative force behind it, gets into a bicycle accident, hurts themselves, cannot be in the film anymore, and is replaced by Kathleen Turner. And we're stuck with Francis Ford Coppola, who I'm sure just puts a lot of his family members into the film, changes the ending a little bit, and makes it a story about, hey, you both cheated. It's You're good now, right? Because Francis Ford Coppola, noted adulterer, big fan of that, tried to have sex with George Lucas's wife on many occasions. Um, not not the most, like, marriage is good kind of guy. Uh... You know what's ironic about that is that he has the, the character who is the poet mm-hmm. that hates Hemingway, which I love. Yes. The, his take on Hemingway is that he's fat, violent, and drunk, which is correct. And mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner is like, you can't remove the artist from the art. And he goes on a monologue about about um, Jack Kerouac and how like you should be able to live your art and you shouldn't be um, inextricably mm-hmm. linked, or they should they should be inextricably linked. Which is ironic that Francis Ford Coppola thinks put that character in if he himself is also an adulterer. I was like, we all should be forgiven. It's fine. Yeah. But, but I also feel like he, that character is him making fun of artists. I think that is his commentary on people that take themselves too seriously. You're just a bunch of hippies that want to go into a polyamorous marriage in Utah that really don't know what the real important thing, which is traditional family values. And I am shot from a cannon into the energy. What are you shooting for? 
maximum intensity. Yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna check out of this bourgeois motel, push myself away from the dinner table, and say, no more jello for me, mom. <laughs> that includes sleeping with of course, other people. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tradition is to cheat a little. It's tradition to sleep um, with George Lucas's wife. Uh that that is what bothers me with this film and a lot of genuinely interesting ideas and things that I was like getting engaged in, but at the end of the day, it turns into everyone finds uh, Peggy Sue hot. Even like the platonic relationship I felt between her and the science guy. And then eventually he's like, you should marry me and change history. And she's just like, can someone please find value in me other than like my parts? I'm going to hang out with my grandparents. Wait, wait. So, so, okay. Um, speaking of things that are just weird and didn't make sense to me in the, I thought, I didn't know where this was going. This is the first time I had seen this film and I, I was like, is it going to come back and actually history is going to change? Is it just all a big illusion? You know, obviously she was, you know, whatever happened, medical emergency. And then that's why she went into this drug induced hallucination. Did she still get pregnant when Nick Cage brought her out of the the Elks Lodge and then they did it on the floor. That's the yes. vibes that I got. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, she made the choice she made on her 18th birthday in her previous life. Thus, everything went the same direction it. and thus time reset You know, it's itself. not like a sperm count is, it's not just a dice throw. It, it'll be totally accurate. You yeah. know, you'll have those same kids, right? <laughs> you'll not have to learn yeah. to love two other like kids because of the millisecond of difference. <laughs> And you'll have yeah. you'll the orga- the ejaculation. Yeah, that prompted her into the future. Words. Yeah. Go ahead, Caitlin. Oh uh, no, that just that like you, uh, you give all of these ideas to <laughs> the scientist. None of those come true, but magically you're thanked in a book. Yes, that. Well, no, actually. I, I have a theory here. That scientist is a fucking hack, and every idea he got, he got from her. <laughs> that is what my, I was interpreting that ending as, because he did all these microchips things because she told him he could do it, so he learned how to do it because she told him. Butterfly effect kind of thing. She was always meant to go back in time and do this stuff. Okay. Microwave ovens. Pocket calculators. Walkamans. Digital watches and miniature television sets. Oh, and huge radios. I mean, for some reason, everything else gets tiny, but portable radios get enormous. Huge, enormous radios. Wait, wait. So, so are you arguing that she was actually a time traveler, traveler, or just reliving her past while she? I'm arguing that the movie is arguing that because that she's actually. I a don't traveler. think that this science guy is that smart. I think he was given information. And I, okay, for my own benefit, I rewatched the opening scene after finishing the film because I really just wanted to compare to see if there was any foreshadowy bits. And his vibe feels like a man that knows he's a fraud in those op- in that opening scene. Like a man who knows that he has been living a lie and kind of coasting off of information he was given unfairly. But if he knows that, why did Nick Cage's character not know uh, that she that she was off trying to break up with him instead of what she was originally trying to do? Eh? Like if you're so what you were saying is that when she went back in time, she affected the future that she was already living in and hadn't noted and hadn't known why, you know, the Yes. Right. So 
if he knew that the fraud right the scientist guy if he knew that why didn't nick cage's character and why didn't peggy sue because she never told anyone but the science guy that she went back in time she and her grandparents they're dead i think this is like a quantum thing i think it i think this is more so yes yeah Yeah. it's it's a multiverse type situation like she went to a different timeline So no, this, is, this is the Back to the Future timeline where Mar- where Biff got the uh, the almanac. Yes. Um, but- yes. Okay. So the one of the <laughs> Back to the Future does an incredible magic trick where they will show you Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, and Tom Wilson, and the opening scene, and they were nobody kids, and you're just like, look at that forty year old person, look at that forty year old actor, and then when you see them as high schoolers, your jaws on the floor, and like, oh, oh my god, how did they do this? That it, that is like the reverse of this, where it's just like, yeah, oh, you gave Jim Carrey a mustache, okay. Yeah, I was I was literally like, why did they prematurely age all these people? This doesn't make sense. They look horrible. Um, and the problem I have with Kathleen Turner, I don't know if anyone else feels this way. She is both too young to be a mother of a teenager, but too old to look like she's in high school. So no matter what she feels like the other, she looks like Laura Palmer in Firewalk well, with me the entire time. Yeah. They I all thought the most honest take. Yeah, none of them they look all good. look old. I, They're her best friend with the glasses. Like sh- she is, that is a, that is a 49 year old woman. Yeah. All the women are like in their thirties, but Nick Cage was 19 when they shot this. Jim Carrey was barely 24. He yeah. looks horrible. Yeah. yeah. He looks really, but Cage. he looks young. <laughs> he looks like a kid, but he looks horrible. I like the scene near the end where he's like all, all on his ego trip uh, talking about why he's the shit. He's like, I, I got the hair and I, I got the teeth and I look out the window. I got the car. Truly, and that's I mean, a pretty good impression, I will was, say. But it was like Nick Cage. That was really room. yeah. Thanks. Um, Do you have a Halloween costume yet? Because uh, I think you I'm got Nick a shot. Ooh, ooh. That's right. Uh, give me some candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who knew we had such a Nick Cage impersonator in our midst? That's pretty incredible. much incredible. It. It's weird that Jim Carrey and Nick Cage never worked together again after this. But now that we're talking about Nick Cage, Liz, how about we talk about? What Nick Cage allegedly did on set. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, yeah. Um, Izzy's eyes are so big right now. A lot happened. So excited. A lot happened. Liz, I'll let you take this over. You did the research on this, Uh, but I was- Are you sure you want me to do this? It's a lot. It is a lot, but I feel like coming from a man, it would kind of take away the power. Okay. Oh, no. This is why I work on this podcast, so it's not just a bunch of dudes talking to each other for an hour. We love it. Thank you. Okay, so in in Turner's 2008 memoir, she wrote, and this is a quote from the book, he caused so many problems. He was arrested twice for drunk driving and I think once for stealing a dog. He'd come across a chihuahua he liked and stuck it in his jacket. (laughs) On the last day of filming, he came to my trailer after he'd clearly been drinking heavily. He fell on his knees and asked me could if I could ever forgive him. I said, not right now. I have a scene to shoot. Excuse me. And I just walked out. Nicholas Ki- Nicholas didn't mention, didn't manage to kill the film, but he didn't add a lot to it either. For years, whenever I saw him, he'd apologize for his behavior. I'd say, look, I'm way over it, but I haven't pursued the idea of working with him again. That Ooh. was her first criticism. <laughs> that was just number one. Ooh. And then in 2018, he co- commented on Nicholas. She commented on Nicholas Cage's terrible nasally voice. "Quote: I was. It was tough not to say 
cut it out. But it wasn't my job to say say to another actor what he should or shouldn't do. So I went to Francis Ford Coppola. I asked him, you approved of this choice? It was very touchy. He, Nicolas Cage, was very difficult on set, but the director allowed what Nicolas wanted to do for his for his role so I wasn't in a position to do much except play with what I've been given if anything in it it Cage's portrayal only further illustrated my character's disillusionment with the past the way I saw it was yeah he was that asshole <laughs> uh, no I'm just saying that's the thing wouldn't you want if she's going to end up with him at the end you need him to have some redeeming qualities and the fact that he croons with an R&B group who are the only black people in the entire film by the way like that's enough to make and then he buys the necklace that's enough to make him a redeemable character when it's all he cares about is having the hair and the car and the and the what like I, I'm like what what dirt did he have on his uncle that, that he that Francis Ford Cope this reminds me of the episode of The Office where Michael Scott <laughs> hires his nephew yes. my name is Luke Cooper I love cinema my favorite movies are Citizen Kane and the Boondock Saints. That kid is the worst. He needs to be fired, Michael. He's not the worst, okay? He's not the worst. You know who's the worst? That intern we had a few years ago. That guy, remember? That face, how ugly he was? He was the worst. And like, everybody's like, can you please get rid of him? He's terrible. And and he's like, ah, I can't do that. He's family. And it's like, he's making the movie worse. Yeah. He's actively making the movie worse. I, I mean, the thing is, Sofia Coppola's in the movie and she's wonderful. Yeah. I see her and I'm like, she's that's good. a high yeah. schooler. That's a high yeah. schooler. But what damage did this do to Kathleen Turner to actually speak her mind? Okay, so this is in response to the claims in her book in 2008, not the ones about his nasally voice. Of course. Uh, so uh, Turner was... Um, in response to the claim specifically that he had had a DUI and stole a chihuahua, uh, Cage sued her for defamation and won. Oh. And no. in exchange for um, everything, Turner, uh, he he made a public apology to her. No, she... And no, no, no. He received oh, a public apology. He received a public apology. I misread it. I misread it. He received a public apology from Kathleen Turner. Uh... And Turner and the publisher had to make a donation to charity. Oh they my know. god! It was probably that, part and of truly, the men. Am also, I, right? I did all this research before I watched the Fuck. movie, so the entire time I'm watching it, I'm coded with the fact, just like, wow, these two hated each other. I mean, wow, I mean, this is this is not good. The moment I was like, oh, this is a horror movie, when he breaks into her house contemplates putting yes. a pillow over her face. He literally tries to kill her. Like, I feel like that was not in the script. No sane screenwriter, considering the context of everything that happens before that, would have thrown that in. That was just a cageism. They didn't do another take, and they couldn't cut it. Like, we're out of film. We got to keep it. We're out of film. I'm not doing a take where I don't do that, man. I, I gotta. That was probably one of my least favorite parts of where I was like, what horrendous. is happening? Every scene he was in was my yeah. least favorite part. You want to talk about stuff I did like? Jim yeah. Carrey scenes. Tell us. All two yeah. of them? Yeah. The two all, of them? All like yeah. two of them. And, and he was actually a little bit enjoyable. He, he, uh, he again, this is like the- Why I oughta. This is, a, this is the part of his career still when he's like, do I go big old rubber face or do I try to still be serious guy? Yeah. And so he he did, he pulled a but little like, bit of both. He pulled yeah. a lot like of it. He just joined an was up. Yeah, I was crazy. I can't do that. that. And he actually. My favorite scene of his was watching him in the background of the like classroom scene of him just going. 
how. Yeah. <laughs> and like making so many ridiculous faces that like if any like extra ever made those faces, the the ADs would be like, um, no, stop. But yeah. somehow in this Ooh, movie, they were like, yeah, that seems fine. I, I feel like yeah. this was a not probably yeah. see something, say something kind of environment. Yeah, it sounds like it for I sure. I feel like he was there like a lot but not involved um but he's still doing the thing his duck factory thing where everything he p- says has to be with that inflection of like well come on guys like what are we doing here yeah. like he still hasn't gotten out of the whiny he roller coaster character he does he is of he doesn't quite know how to do it. And it's much more apparent during the class reunion stuff. He's like, the best part about being a dentist is like, you know, you got to work on teeth. And <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it feels like he's. I like when he can want to coke. <laughs> yeah, him yes. and Catherine Hicks do coke in a bathroom. And it's high enough. That was fun. <sighs> the best thing about being a dentist. Pure pharmaceutical grade. Oh. <laughs> a couple of lines of this, I could drill my own teeth. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Truly a weird movie, but I think the best parts of the movie is the opening scene, the reunion scene. Like that opening shot where we start in the reflection and then we go past it. True, Like some good uh-huh. cinema stuff. And like... I felt this character, and I just wish that I was sticking with that version of Kathleen Turner. I wish we were sticking with that yeah. Peggy Sue, because as soon as she's back in high school, she reverts to a lot of infantilization of herself. Can I just say one thing that really surprised me and I thought was really funny is the way that she belted out <laughs> my country to Zavini. Yes. You must have been a Reagan fanatic because I was like, whoa, you are really proud. And I'm like, why? Ronald Reagan is your president where you're coming from. But that's fine. My country tis of the sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. I think their intention is like she's so nostalgia so she's gonna like really lean into like the things that she used to do like see her goofy parents like like there are lines here that touched my soul like when she like turns to her mother and is like I forgot you were that young um there are moments here of brilliance uh and it's all from her like when she answers the phone and she hears her grandmother's voice for the first time and she's long dead stuff like that gets to me and the thing is I I'm discovering we are getting close to the time where I need to be moving on to like the the, the letterbox section, but we have to talk about the weird cult at oh the my end. Gosh. The, the Moose Lodge. The yeah. Oh, yeah. The cult. What, the Freemasons. I feel like people are going to listen to this episode who happen watch this movie and be like, what the actual fuck? Um, is Peggy Sue got married about? Because none of what we've said was in that well, blurb. She did, she did no. say the title once. Yes, she did. We're yeah. doing coke did we're doing which i really like that at that moment izzy i thought yes i thought she was like this is it this is where we're forking like we're gonna fork away from the original but you didn't fork 
It sh- see, she did it for I now. shook my mouse to see the runtime once I discovered we're going into the cult thing, and I realized there was 11 minutes left in the film, and I'm like, they're not going to take yeah. this interesting turn, are they? No. No, and at the end, they just show Grandpa like, huh, guess she went back to the future. I guess it worked. I mean, yeah, what no. else was he supposed to think? Like, I, I don't blame him for thinking that. Vast and mighty one, ruler of light, king of the sun. This girl is lost amid your mysteries and wishes to return to her own time. We adore thee and invoke thee. Grant thine aid. Look with favor upon us as we witness the regeneration of spirit. We ask thy intervention that this girl may return to thee on the wings of thy love. I also like that, like the grandmother knew she when she was gonna die. Like yeah, that was she, weird. Yes, she also I time travel. Is I that? Think that's yeah, what it was implied the grandparents time travel at some point. Yeah, they're a part so. of the Freemasons yeah. and they are time travelers. Right. Yeah. What does Grandma um, really think it, you do? And this all connects to Jack the Ripper somehow. They didn't teach me this in Bye Bye Birdie, but you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know what else they didn't teach in Bye Bye Birdie? Um, critical reviews. So let's move on to our critical quarter, and we compare our thoughts to some real critics first from I the New York Times. You know, everyone's favorite. Begrudgingly, have to do this. You're, I give them all C minus. Um, no that one's one happy, but no one's passing that either. Good. That was a good segue. Um, so this is from Vincent Canby of the New York Times, right when the film came out. They say, Peggy Sue Got Married is a small, amiable sort of sloppy comedy fantasy with fond memories of Buddy Holly's title song, The Edsel Fiasco, Saddle Shoes, and Bobby Socks, Prom Queens, and the possibility of sex before teenage marriage. Though Peggy Sue Got Married can't be identified as distinctively personal, it stands in grave danger of being analyzed as if it were Potemkin, or even It's a Wonderful Life. Most of the time, Peggy who got married is either underdeveloped or simply not thought through. The way that the film gets Peggy Sue into and out of the past is no less lame than the explanation of Bobby Ewing's recent resurrection in Dallas. Timely reference. So much key information is missing or left uncertified or undramatized that the film appears to have been edited by termites. (laughs) That that is the most New York oh Times God. review I've ever read. Wow. Yeah, that's scathing. Edited by termites. Wow. Edited by termites. But like he's not yeah. wrong. No, not a no. not a single lie found. But let's look at Time Out. Um, what they had to say more recently in 2012. The movie is unfortunately bound to be compared with the much slicker Back to the Future. Ignore the ridiculous happy ending of this film, and you have a much more fatalistic exercise in which Coppola eschews easy laughs in favor of the exposure of feeling and the fact that these people's lives however empty matter to them um and yeah i did feel very empty at the end of this film and angry how about we compare like those are critics yeah those are like basic critics and we basically agree with them but we need to look at the real reviewers out there in the world the people over on letterbox.com it's time for the letterbox game one star five stars so how this is going to work, We, me and Alan are going to read to you real Letterboxd reviews, and you guys have to tell us whether it's a one star or five star, just based on the review alone, with no context outside of it. Alan, whose turn Great. do you want to be? Whose team do you want to be on? Um, oh, this isn't fair. This is like asking me to pick my favorite prom star. Um, uh, all right, all right. A rock, paper, well, scissors. No. Whoever, whoever loses gets to be on my team. Oh, this is going to be hard over Zoom. <laughs> 
That's a hard. Right. They're they're on the same roof. Rock paper scissors and shoot. Rock paper scissors. Both scissors. <laughs> Rock paper scissors and shoot. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Izzy lost. She's on my team. Okay. Sorry, Izzy. I'll go first. All right. You ready, Caitlin? All right. Yeah. Okay. Don't be nervous. This will be fun. Um, it's fun. Don't worry. You got it, babe. Peggy Sue should fight Donnie Darko. Is that a one star or five star review? That's it. Oh. That's it. <laughs> um. A. I would. I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, B, I'm going to go really mild and and. It's got to be a two. one or a five. Ooh, it's it's a binary. One so it's or five. One or oh, wait, five. either has to yes. be. Oh, well, that's a what? That's a that five. is a five star. Bafflingly enough. It. It's okay. It's okay. There's plenty wow. of time. Alan, your turn. All right, Izzy. Jim Carrey should have won that Emmy. Yes. <laughs> what? Man. <laughs> I I was I I gather these so I had to read a lot of them. This is the most out of pocket thing I read in, in Letterbox Game Gathering. This wasn't history. even a TV movie. I know, right? This yeah. is a theatrical film. I know. I feel like that's a diss on the film, so I'm gonna say one. Correct. Hey, yes. Caitlin, we we can take we can take the lead here. Um, all right. Okay. They need to remake this movie, but have Nick Cage play play every character. Oh no. <laughs> I'm gonna go with five. That is correct. Da, da, da. All right, uh, here we go. Izzy. Hold on, hold on. Pee Wee Herman sure looks different in this one. I don't even know what character he's talking <laughs> That's a one. about. That is a one! You no, no I think it's a one. Oh, we're yeah, tied again. All right, Caitlin. Hug your family type <laughs> shit. Oh, one. Five. <laughs> no! You don't like hug your family, Caitlin? <laughs> I was reading it in a, like, that's gross kind of way. No. <laughs> They were saying, like, I hate hugging my family. I love hugging I my like family. I hugging your family, too. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very huggable family, Caitlin. They're awesome. All right, here we go. You ready? You ready, Izzy? I hate men except Richard and Arthur. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. That's tough. We don't, we don't give you the easy ones. Because I, I hate those. I hate every other man in that movie, too. But except Grandpa. I don't hate Grandpa. Um. Oh God, because because it, it could be like you know we love the the feminist that Kathleen Turner is for three quarters of the movie until the end. Um. Or uh, <laughs> these are nerve wracking. Um. I'm gonna go with one. One. That's a five. That's a five. Okay. Damn I had it. to look up which ones were Richard and Arthur. I fundamentally disagree with the Richard one because because he's like you know what uh, marry me change your past and Arthur. I will give you. He is the one that loves his wife, defends his wife, and is like very calm. Oh, which one's the mother and which one's the daughter? Like, yes, Arthur is fine. Everyone else, garbage. Cute. Wait, that's the re- that, that's it. That's yeah. It. That's that's the whole review. Cute. Oh, I didn't even know you were reading the review. No worries. It's one. No, 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 no. The whole review is cute. All lowercase. If that helps. <laughs> Five. That is a one. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do one Whoa, more. Oh shit! See if we I want to go with here. Uh, yeah. Let me see. We're all we're all winners here. here. All right, but true. Except for the audience. <laughs> if you're still with us this far, God help you. All right, Izzy. Yeah. Delightful movie. <laughs> well, no, I feel like this is a trick question. Always be concerned. I always think it's a trick question. Very concerned. <laughs> Delightful oh, no. movie. One. Yes. One. Caitlin, we can tie this up here. Yeah, they went first. Wait, I thought you guys went first, so wouldn't that yeah, be? Yeah, we got one more. Well, we would have. We, we went out of that. Order, right? We went out of order. Shit got fucked up. Uh, it's yeah. not a real <laughs> game. Don't fine. worry. Don't worry. Fun. No, there's no. There's no right. Amazon no gift cards. 
I'm very competitive. Caitlin, um, technically we, you know what? It doesn't matter whatever the last one is because Izzy That's has right. won this game. That's right. I will say it was the only mildly horny one I could find. Yeah, no in one's the really group horny over this movie. Letterboxd is usually very horny website. Oh, so. we did. Well, nobody's <laughs> very fuckable in this movie. Yeah. Speaking of horny, though, I just want to like really quickly bring everyone's attention to the moment in the movie where Kathleen Turner has to call Nicolas Cage's penis by <gasps> a multitude of different names. <laughs> yes. And all of them are horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was throbbing thrill hammer. I wrote it down. You wrote it down. It was so good. Throbbing thrill hammer is my drag name. Oh, good. I, IMDb has the whole quote. Go. I have all of them. All right, read them all okay. off. Doesn't Lucky Charlie want to come out? You know, your love machine, your throbbing hammer, your thing. And Nicolas Cage goes, "Don't do you mean my wang? Do you mean my wang? Do you mean my wang? There it is. Give me my wang. My wang. Gotta get the danger. That's almost Fire Marshal Bill. A little bit. Your love machine. Your throbbing thrill hammer. Your thing. You mean my wang? There is one other relevant Jim Carrey piece to connect with Nick Cage. I feel like when we get to Man on the Moon, there'll be too much other shit to talk about, so you might as well talk about it here. Um, the fact that Jim Carrey stole a role from Nick Cage by gaslighting him. So they were both up for the role of Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. The producers really wanted Nick Cage because he was fresh off of an Oscar win. But the studio really wanted Jim Carrey because he was a big star. So it was between Nick Cage and Jim Carrey and the no one can make a decision. So they asked them to do uh, a video, an audition video, like where you do it in character. And Jim Carrey calls up Nick Cage and he's like, you know what? Neither of us should do it. Actors of our status shouldn't be asked to do it. Um, and then Nick Cage is like, all right. Then Jim Carrey paid like an entire camera crew, bought Andy Kaufman's real drums and made a set and made like a 15 minute video and turned that in and then got the role. <laughs> One, yeah. Well, didn't he like? Yeah. There's a documentary series about yes, yeah. how he actually like one method and it's bad, right? It's yeah, it's bad. He that, yeah, there's it's really so much bad. to talk about with that movie that I don't think I'd be able to bring that story up and how Nick Cage could have also played Andy Kaufman, but Jim Carrey really kind yeah. of sabotaged him. Can we circle back though? Because I was unaware of this fact because I because uh, <laughs> Nicholas yes. Cage has an Oscar. Yes. I had yes, to look that up just now. Adaptation. Yes. You know, wild. Yeah, for leaving like Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yes. Yes, leaving Las Vegas. No, you know, no, he didn't win for adaptation. He probably should have. But wait, so that was that was ninety five, right? So so Peggy Sue got married eighty six. Moonstruck eighty seven. Ex convict in Raising Arizona also eighty seven. And leaving Las Vegas was ninety five. Yeah, he had. Uh, but Moonstruck is easily his best performance. And when he brought up in this line, like I'd, I'd cut off my right arm i'm like oh moonstruck. my right arm like moonstruck might be his only really true good romantic lead performance where i kind of buy him like in any other point have you ever bought nick cage as a romantic no. lead especially no. not here national <laughs> no I, i'm in love with the declaration no i watched all of city actually... of angels and i just wanted to like punch him instead of like any point feel romantic like, feelings towards him no although did you see the massive weight of unbearable talent or i think it's what it's yeah. called that Nicholas oh i didn't see that yet 
No. So and the, the love story between him and Pedro Pascal. That you know is, what? That like, might be the caveat yeah, it's um, a... where I do buy yeah. romantic mm. tension. Everything else, though. I think, just, so uh, Justin Lewis, um, we should, season two of this podcast should be an, a Nick Cage burndown. Like, well, it would be season three because season two is going to be the Jim Carrey sequels oh, without Jim All Carrey. Right. Because you can't just not talk about those. You have to cover them. Um, you know Nicolas Cage has 112 acting credits on Yeah, IMDb, that would be way right? too much. It would, there, that would be an unreasonable yeah. amount of films to watch. Are you going to watch all the films that went straight to Redbox? No, I'm not. I love myself. <laughs> I was on Nick Cage's private island uh, in the Bahamas. He bought an island what? So what? in the Bahamas. He... A lot of famous rich people buy those islands because they're all I guess, for sale from the country. And Nick Cage, see Jeffrey and Nick Cage bought an island. Uh, I think the story goes not realizing that it had endangered iguanas on it. So now he was never allowed to Jesus. use it or build on it because it would disrupt their habitat. So now he owns this island where the public is allowed, tourism is allowed to go there because it's a federally protected island that Nick Cage privately owns. So I've been on Nick Cage's island. And I believe it's the reason he did all his direct-to-video movies because he was had to pay off this island in the Bahamas because he, he just kept getting Don't work. Don't forget the other reason why he had to do all those direct-to-movie things is he got married on What's a the other in Las Vegas, then immediately divorced two weeks later, but she still got uh, half of his money. Who did he get married to? Oh, yeah. Heather Locklear? I don't know. I don't think it was any... Not Heather Locklear, <laughs> nor Jenny McCarthy. We're going to summon Heather Locklear on this podcast. Like, stop talking about it. It's going to be weird. You know, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, we are going to have to talk about a film starring Lori Loughlin, and we're just going to have to talk all about the college scandal Ooh. there. So that'll be fun. What is our overall thoughts on Peggy See, that Sue transition was like a D minus. And... So our rating system is an alrighty then or a no spank you. It's a binary, just like everything like in the letterbox game. So what does Peggy Sue get married get? An alrighty then or a no spank you. Alan, I'm why gonna don't you give go this first? a so very hard no spank you. R- r- okay. You can't put this in the same category as the porn. I mean You can't No. Yes, yes. Yes. You gave us a binary option. Oh my gosh. Like, everyone else gets a pass to put this wherever. Alan, we watched through four porn movies. Um,. (laughs) <laughs> that was to get slightly here. redeeming. This just like made me angry at the end. I was the porn was slightly it was, like, redeeming. At least visually entertaining, mildly. But then at the end of this, there was nothing visually entertaining about it, and the story was shit. And she like was, oh great, 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 we're gonna do great things and change it. No, you didn't just go make a souffle. Like it just didn't do it for me. Sorry. So I'm no spank youing all over this one. Caitlin, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> it might be surprising, um, but I'm gonna I'm move over than already then. Mm. Wow, I say alrighty then because I think overall Kathleen Turner is great, and I love being able to watch young Kathleen Turner. And I think technically speaking, it is a well executed movie as far as like cinematography goes, and there are a couple of tricks that I thought were cool. So I think, like, in the history of movie making, it's, like, a good one to watch. Does that mean you should watch it? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. But there there are some, some redeeming qualities. That is a very fair assessment. Um, Izzy, how about you? I 
am not going to be as fair as Caitlin. And I'm going to give you a thank yes. you. I watched it once. I don't need to watch it again. I think Kathleen Turner is the one redeeming quality of this film. But I think the ending really ruined it for me. Like, I thought she was going to have an arc. I thought she was going to... that. I thought that would be really interesting if Peggy Sue got married, was past tense for a reason, you know? And, and, and she went and chose a different path and, like, became a dancer or whatever. Also, that was weird that, like, she just threw out dancer out of nowhere. But I was like, go, go live, girl. I just, I wanted more for Kathleen Turner. She deserves more. And maybe that's the, you know, millennial in me talking. I don't fucking know. But I don't want, I would not want my children, my my daughters to watch this or female identifying children to watch this who, you know, like, or anybody who, like, because the thesis to me is like, marriage is what <laughs> brings us together today. And I don't need it. I, so, I, no, thank you. She said that way better than I did, but mm -hmm. all those plus one. Many snaps, many snaps. Liz, how are you? I, as a female identifying human, it's like you have a lot of mixed feelings. It's like, it's a female lead, but then she ends up just baking strudel at the end. Like, she could do something interesting, but she does it. Like, there's ebbs and flows here. Also, this was movie's wrist originally written by a married couple, and I really want to read that version, because I think it's actually better. Yeah! Like, I'm sure it's like a great look into what their thoughts on their marriage was, like, years later. Like, so it's frustrating, but in context, we've watched literally women be objectified for at least, like, four to five episodes of this show, this podcast, and having a woman have some mild amount of agency is going to give this a very light alrighty then very light don't watch this movie watch back to the future just <laughs> it's simple as that listen to the critics in 86 we'll just watch back to the future i didn't hate it as much as i thought i would kathleen turner's really good in this i will say i enjoyed her performance i just especially, i can't recommend watching this because it's just boring and confusing especially the pledge of allegiance yeah yeah. yeah, she goes hard on that My Country Tis of Thee. It's like, girl, hard. give us nothing. <laughs> um, I'll throw mine out. Yes, let, um, let us have it. I think this film has value in the fact that in a time where there isn't a lot of female-led stories where they are given a lot of agency and plots, um, I think this is fairly well representative of goals and ideas that from a very female perspective. I'm not one of those, but from it, I was Pop. just like, I'm very glad that it just didn't, there wasn't much of like, oh, a man wrote that line. And I could feel like there, there wasn't any of those like weird kind of, ugh, that was made for a male gaze moments in there. A male definitely wrote that, that speech one, about yes. the penis. Um, yes. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. I, I, I no, no woman talks to a person with a I penis like that. The like, moment ever. where the mother asked, do you know what a penis is? That felt like it was written by a woman. Like there are, I think the highs are very high, but the lows are so low that it makes the highs almost invalid. Like there, the emotional beats and the emotional unpacking of like, Oh my God, I miss my sister. Can we go play games? Like those moments really work for me. Or the as I brought up before, when the grandmother calls and she's just like, I can't speak to her because I, I, I didn't prepare what I was going to say because it like those moments really hit for me. And the fact that a movie that I think is like a C minus at best has like moments that peak like so high for me, I cannot in good faith say that this is bad. And if you're willing to watch a film that's a little bit of a mixed bag and kind of disagree with it morally though, I think you might have a good time. So I'm gonna give this a pretty mild to low alrighty then. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. 
agree to disagree. And that's yeah. I would like to caveat that like my alrighty then is definitely with like a downward inflection. <laughs> yeah. Same here. I'm not saying this is this isn't a like I really like this movie and everyone should go watch it this is a this movie is perfectly mediocre but But it's not the worst thing I've ever seen like Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's and all those other things that come out and I may just be nostalgic for the mid-budget like romantic comedy because that doesn't exist anymore so I'm just like wouldn't it be great if we had like five of these this a year wouldn't it be nice (laughs) Caitlin Izzy, um, you both are wonderful, incredible performers. I am grateful that you schlubbed down to this weird Jim Carrey podcast with us. Please share <laughs> your socials or whatever you want to share out there for the world where people can find you. Caitlin, why don't you go first? Great. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Caitlin.Kinnanen. Right, and Izzy. You can also find me on Instagram at Izzy wonderful. McCalla. And I want to plug too that Izzy is uh, now Maisie and Shucked on my Broadway. Gorge. Yeah, and my Yay. God, she's good at it. Sally, she's like really, Sally. really fantastic at it. Mm-hmm. Real play. New York Real area, play. and you love yourself. Go, go see Shucked. Hello, everyone. This is Liz from the editing room. This episode was recorded in August of 2022, while Shucked was still on Broadway. But if you still want to see the wonderful Aza McCalla in the near future, check her out as Marlena in the upcoming production of the new musical Water for Elephants. Previews begin on February 24th of this year, and the show opens on March 21st at the Imperial Theater. Thanks, Nietzsche. It's a shucking good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what else is a shucking good you need time? Got that chemistry. Got, got to do another. What's I that? got to do a C minus transition. Um, our wonderful listeners, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify at the Carried Away Podcast with Jess and Allen. We're on Twitter at Carried Away Pod, Instagram Carried Away Pod. Email us at Carried Away Podcast at Gmail card. Our title card is created by the amazing Grace Aki. Go follow them on Instagram at Grace Aki. This show is produced and edited by the incredible, the wonderful Elizabeth Estin. Thank you so much. And you also research for us, and it's amazing. Our theme song is I Choose You by the band Thanks. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for making all the strudel. All right, anything else we have left to say? I gotta go make some strudel because I'm a woman, so I gotta run. Yeah, together, like we gotta make things work. Me and her didn't work out. Kathleen Turner. She she thought the big bopper was a hamburger. (laughs) I'll go steal a chihuahua. Allegedly, chihuahua and get a DUI. Allegedly. Allegedly. Sometimes you just gotta have a dog. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time on the Carried Away Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.